Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes so your friends know that they can learn from the show. Also, follow us everywhere on social at DIY Money Podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to check out the video on YouTube. We've got some awesome bonus content there. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. All right. Uh, we kind of botched that last episode. I feel like we didn't really do great. I have flaws. What are they? Oh, I don't know. I sing in the shower. Sometimes I spend too much time volunteering. Occasionally I'll hit somebody with my car. We bantered. People like banter. Well, it's a People like one. to know how we go through, like, what we're thinking through. Yeah. And well, that's, that's basically that's... what walked them through. And the fact that until you really know the entire scenario, there's not a definitive answer. I remember when we were buying the house we're in now, and we wanted, in order to get it at the price we wanted to get it, we made an all-cash offer, but didn't really have all the cash. <laughs> Now that's secondary. Uh, well, I had to get. I knew we could. Well, I knew somebody's going to pause there and just go like. Well, let me all tell cash you, offer. What, what I mean by that was, <laughs> um, I knew that I had to get creative with because I didn't want to just liquidate everything. Uh, so I had to get creative, liquidate investments across the board. So I had to get creative with a combination of a HELOC, uh, and then liquidating what I what I could without significant tax ramifications. And then uh, I think we were able to pull that all together. But that meant that I now had a HELOC on a, on a primary, on my existing property, had bought the other one. And for about three or four weeks, I had a, a situation where I was like, I have two homes and I now owe money on this on our first one, which I didn't have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. I had paid that off. Now, I did it strategically, knowing that I would put the other one on the market quickly. It was a, it was a smaller home. I felt like it would go. This was before the frenzy. I felt like it would go fairly quickly. It would it would sell. I, I was aggressive with my sale price because I, I just wanted it off the books. And it did sell very quickly, so it, it worked out. But I do remember thinking, okay, if this doesn't sell and I have two homes... I have all of this, you know, asset side and and I have little as far as debt to equity, I have a little debt to equity. Now, I just don't like debt at all. So it it did give me a little angst, but I I ran the numbers to say I, I could it would be just fine. I, I would be okay. Uh but again, I I didn't want to be in that situation for too long. And we sold the house, we paid off that HELOC. Uh it you know, it worked out just fine and then I was able to replenish capital back into the, into the investment account. So it worked out well, uh, but it took some it took some maneuvering to to get into the to the home that we wanted uh, making an all cash offer, which is why we got it for the price that we got it and we were able to close when we did. Mm-hmm. Cuz sometimes that's what it takes. So anyways, all right. We got a unique question uh, today. It, I don't think it's as, certainly not as as complex or or niche uh, that we had our previous question from. And we've bantered, so I think it's Inma. You didn't let, let us know how to say your name, but uh, it's a unique name. I love it. So I think it's Inma. Inma. 
Let us know what do you got. DIY. Hello, DIY Money. Thanks for the time and energy you put into your show. I have a question about asset allocation. After making a plan, how do you monitor it easily? For example, my husband and I have a plan of 70 to 30 U.S. to international stocks. We have four retirement accounts at three banks and are looking to open a taxable account. Is there an app that will tie them together and look at each fund's investments and value? Is this something we have to do in an Excel sheet? Do you prioritize getting as many accounts in the same system to make this easier? What advice do you have? So our system here at our firm has a aggregator, a software aggregator that pulls in all of the accounts that someone would have anywhere. So my wife and I, for example, have a have you know, we utilize this system. We pull in all the accounts and can take a very quick snapshot look at our overall allocation. I like that as a high level overview and then I sort of dig a little bit deeper into each each individual allocation. Uh, regarding the type of account, taxable, retirement, et cetera, and make some tweaks accordingly. I think that you know there's two routes. that We didn't always have that as a firm, and, and what I would do is basically look at it from a, a count by count and, and put it in our put it in our spreadsheet. It was probably a little archaic. I'm sure Daniel had a better better solution. Prior to our firm having our own software aggregator, I used, I tried, a lot of the outside aggregators. I tried one, for example, I think it was called Personal Capital. And uh, I put all my information in and I, I was you know getting getting the, the sort of o- overview. And then all of a sudden I started to be called by them like every day trying to pitch me on, I don't even know what they were pitching me on. But I finally said, I'm a financial advisor. I'm in the business. Please stop calling me. And so they stopped calling me, and and I promptly stopped using their service. So I think you have to be careful with outside aggregators that have an agenda because they'll they're going to start you know bugging you quite honestly. But I'm certain there has to be. I'm sure Daniel's going to tell us an aggregator out there that can pull all these accounts in for you, and it's something that doesn't basically you know tie into uh, a lead generation software that then people are calling you out of the blue. But I think that's what you got to find if you don't want to do it longhand. What say there, fussy britches? I know uh, pretty certain Quicken will do it to that level. Quicken is a uh, personal uh, financial um, accounting system. So it you know you can run your budgets and your cash flow and everything in there, but it has an investment component as well. You can track all of that. It's a uh, for people who really like sort of reporting and history and all that, it's it's literally like sort of a, an accounting system for your personal life. It can handle pretty complex situations. So that's one to look at. Um, I personally don't utilize that one because we have uh, internal software here that we use at the office. Uh, so I prefer to use the financial planning system that we're actually doing financial plans for clients on. But if I didn't have access to that, I would probably go that route, uh, just having looked at it before. Uh, and seeing some other folks that do use it and, and seem pretty happy with it, there's probably a learning curve on it. Uh, but I think once you understand that and know that, uh, you, you'll be probably happy with it. And the fact that you're not using a free system that then is sort of funded by the fact that there's a sales pitch attached with it. Do you know so what forth. the price point is for that? It's not terrible. Uh, honestly, I don't think. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not 
yeah, it's not like some uh, massive annual fee. There is a there's an annual fee with it. I think you might have to download it to some extent. I don't know. It's it's not uh, for people who are really wanting to take control of their, their financial life and, and do sort of really deep dives into their investments, things of that nature. It's within the realm of an acceptable expense, I think. Yeah. If you're just kind of dollar cost averaging into an S&P fund, it's not something that you need. But if you're really wanting to dive in, uh, then potentially. I know Morningstar used to have like a portfolio x-ray or portfolio something that, that they had that you could kind of put your portfolio in there. I don't know if that was part of their paid subscription or not. Morningstar has changed a bit uh, from what they used to be. Uh, and I frankly just don't uh, get along as well with the site as I did Previously, that's probably just me getting old and being used to the old system and curmudgeony. Um, so Wait, I've what not, did you just say? Curmudgeony. That's, uh, that's so I've not, uh, I've not really used that in a while, but I would look there. Uh, so Morningstar, Quicken, um, there's probably some others. Personal Capital is popular a lot among some of the uh, financial planning clients that we interact with. Oh, I feel like there's another one. Logan, have you seen people use something else? Logan's off to the off mic. Uh, I feel like there's another one that we've seen kind of come through from time to time, but personal capital is probably the most popular among the free people. Uh, but know that personal capital wants you to aggregate your data there so that at their home, they provide financial advisory service. So at the sort of HQ headquarters, they can kind of see in some way, shape or form, probably not your personally identifiable information, but they can kind of see generally speaking, Hey, Joe is invested in these various things you know, across these different custodians. And, you know, that makes you a prospect for the fact that maybe they can offer you some advice and maybe they offer great advice. They have financial planners and investment managers and all that. Um, But know that if you're using something like that for free, uh, there probably is a sales component for it. Uh, Spreadsheets are fine. If you keep, if you're keeping your investments relatively simple, uh, that's something that you can put in a spreadsheet. You can update once per quarter uh, or once every couple months. I mean, it's not something... You shouldn't be grossly out of balance in a significant way very often in the short term. Uh, So when you're looking about rebalancing, say, from international to uh, domestic stocks at a 70-30 allocation, maybe you have some what would be called tolerance bands around there, which is how much you'll allow to deviate to the up or down side of that percentage. You're talking about maybe reviewing that once, one to four times per year on average, I would say, uh, depending on how micro you want to get with it. So it's not something that you're like sitting down every week having to look at. Yeah, I like the idea of, I mean, again, we're, we have the benefit of our own system that's really good. And, you know, we utilize that, we utilize that for our clients. But I did not like the aggregators that I used that were free, that mm-hmm. ultimately tried to, you know, constantly be contacting me. It was, an, it was nauseating. I like spreadsheets. I like feeling it, touching it, knowing where where we're at, uh, you know, and I would be doing that. I would be doing that on an annual basis or, you know, when you feel like right now, for instance, you might be like, wow, let's let's take a look and, and do a quick summary of our allocation. And maybe if your target is 70-30, you might 
find a situation where it's off by a few percentage points because, you know, international is down more and you may have the opportunity to do some rebalancing right now. It's also why we encourage folks who don't want to go this route to look at just target date funds. Target date funds will keep their allocation. They will alter the allocation as you get older or closer to your target date, whatever that date is that you set. And reduce the stock exposure moving more into uh, fixed income exposure, which, as we've seen this year, has not been a, a great safe haven. But nonetheless, over time, you know, will help you to mitigate some risk. So I love the question because I love where you're going with it. And that is to make sure you're observant of your allocation, making adjustments or rebalancing when necessary. That's the critical component. However you do it, I, I think is is really up to you. Um, but again, I, I think Quicken, a good option. Have no idea the price point, uh, or again, just building out the spreadsheets and and you know figuring it out from that that uh, standpoint. Won't have to do it very often. Great question though. Bravo. Great Definitely. question. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll send you a twenty five dollar Amazon gift card for that question. And um, all she did was sent us an audio file through her phone. She got on her phone and uh, recorded a question, sent it to podcast at DIYmoney.org. And again, uh, because we used it on the show, she'll get $25 Amazon gift card. Remember, friends, secret to wealth, pretty simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.